Hello, it's Wednesday evening, and welcome to our prayer meeting, and tonight we're going to extend it a little longer into a Bible study or a devotional, some of you may prefer to call it. Before we move into God's Word, we want to uh, begin with prayer requests. Many of you have taken the opportunity to share the fact that you have prayer requests, that you have things that are on your mind and on your heart, and you have allowed me the privilege to pray with you over these things over the last few days, and I greatly appreciate that. And I want you to know that we continue to pray for you. We continue to, uh, to bring you before the throne of grace, and we hope that you do us as well, because we desire your prayers. We need your prayers to carry out God's work. We need your prayers to help us in the affairs of life, especially given the situation that we're all in today. The threat of the COVID-19, uh, the threat of the uh, economic uncertainties that are coming from it, the threat of, of evil, of evil. Uh, the devil is not giving any of us a rest. The devil isn't going to give any of us opportunity to catch our breath. Prayer has never been more important than it is today. And if you are a believer, I want you to realize that as a Christian, as a saint of God, you have the tool of prayer at your disposal. And I want to encourage you to use it. I want, you to, I want to encourage you to come alongside me and my wife and others like us. Share your burdens. Let us pray with you, and likewise, we will do the same. Prayer is a very, very important tool in our life. It brings our hearts to the throne of grace. Yes, God knows. God isn't oblivious to our need. He knows. But he loves to hear us call upon. He loves us. He gave his son for us. His son shed his precious blood on Calvary's cross so that we can have eternal life if we choose to come on God's terms. So why wouldn't we do that? Right now, I want us to go to the Lord in prayer. I want us to lift up each other's requests, each other's needs each other's concerns and passions. I want us to pray for peace in our nation. Peace among all of the upheaval that's taking place. Peace about uncertainty. Peace over the fear of loss of jobs, over the concern of loss of homes and, and resources. A lot of people are struggling with that today. It is a very real struggle in their lives. A very real fear. Let's lift them up and pray for them. Let's pray for the sick tonight. There are many that are in hospitals tonight. Let's pray for them. Let's pray for their families. There are many who are struggling with other uncertainties in life. Let's remember them. Maybe you have something special. Maybe you know of someone who is in need of prayer. 
And I want to remind you of this. When you go about your week and your day and you see someone struggling, don't wait for them to ask you to pray for them. Understand then that God has placed in front of you the obvious need of prayer. You don't have to know what it is. But God has placed in front of you the ability to see and to realize that someone is struggling. Immediately, that should be a prayer request for you. You don't need to know a name. You don't need to know their name. You just need to realize that you have seen a need. And you bring it before the throne of grace. You pray for them. You pray with them, whatever that situation may be. That's, that's enough. I've said enough. Let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. And then we will move into God's Word. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege of being able to come before the multitude of people that are watching by Facebook tonight. Thank you, Heavenly Father, to, for the privilege of opening your Word and sharing it. Thank you for the opportunity to pray. Lord, I can think of no greater privilege than to stand before you tonight bowed in prayer. Lord, just knowing that you're hearing and listening is humbling. Heavenly Father, you don't have to. You have no reason to listen to me. I've certainly failed you in many ways. But Lord, I know according to your word, you're there. I know that according to your word, Jesus is at the right hand of the throne of grace, forever making intercession for me. Because there was a time in my life when your precious blood washed away all of my sins. And I thank you for that. Lord, I know there are many who are listening tonight who are uncertain. I know there are those who are listening tonight who have family members who are struggling with job loss and money. And, uh, there's no money to pay the bills. There's no money to buy the groceries. Lord, I know there are many who are sick with, with the COVID-19 who are sick with other things tonight, who are dealing with cancer, who are dealing with other issues and circumstances. Lord, we lift all of them up in prayer to you. We know that you can move in their life as no one else can. We know that when science has shaken its head and walked away and said we can do no more, when the doctor has said there's nothing left, when we're told there's no pill, no shock, Lord, when we're told to get our affairs in order, we know there's Jesus. Lord, we pray tonight for all of those out there. We pray, Lord, for our own family and our own household. You, you know the needs that are in our home, in our household as well, among our family. Lord, we lift all of them up to you, and we ask that you would move in a mighty and powerful way. We ask, Heavenly Father, you would touch hearts and lives. We ask, Heavenly Father, that you would heal and mend. Lord, we pray that you would touch medication. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would touch the hands and the minds of the physicians and the caregivers. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would move in the lives and in the hearts and the minds of the scientists and the researchers. 
Lord, we pray that you would forgive our sin. We pray that you would heal our land. Lord, we pray that you would move as only you can move. As you did in the Old Testament among your people. As you did in the early days of the church. Lord, as you have at so many great awakenings across this land. God, we pray for one more. God, we pray for souls to be saved. We pray, Lord, that those who are backslidden would be reclaimed and repentant. Lord, we pray that prodigal son would return. And God, we pray for your will to be done in all of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Tonight, for a little while, I want to ask you if you would turn with me to the book of Psalms. The 51st Psalm be exact. I'm going to read from verses 12 and 13 shortly. But while you're finding your place, Psalm 51 verses 12 and 13, I want to kind of give you a little background information on this passage. The 51st Psalm was written by David. It was written by him after his failure with Bathsheba, after his affair with Bathsheba, at which time she was with child. She became pregnant by David. Bathsheba was a married woman. Her husband, Uriah, was a soldier in David's army. So David then was backed into a corner. He didn't know what to do. So David began compounding one sin upon another. He had the sin of, of adultery in his life. So instead of repenting of that sin and doing the thing that a godly man would do, he compounded that sin with the murder of Uriah. He, he told his generals to take Uriah and put him on the front line. He gave Uriah an opportunity to be with his wife one last time, but when Uriah wouldn't take it, David couldn't set him up to... Uh, set him up to make him believe that child was his instead of David's. So the deception turned into murder. And then the murder turned into a greater deception by David trying to hide it from the people around him and, and his family and his nation until the prophet came. And the prophet revealed to David what had happened. In short, God revealed David's sin. Now, God does that. God will reveal our sin. David was a man after God's own heart. That says a lot about the character of David. But sin tarnished his reputation. Sin tarnishes our reputation too. Sin will tarnish your reputation. Maybe you're listening tonight and maybe you can relate to that in a very real way. Maybe you're struggling with something where you're a good person. You've got a good character. You've got a good Christian character. But because of sin, your reputation has been harmed. 
I want you to know God still loves you. It took an act of God to shake David into the realization of what he had done and how deeply down this road that he has gone. It took, it took God grabbing him and rattling his cage, if I can use that term tonight. God's not afraid to do that in our lives either. If that's what it takes for you and I to come to repentance of our sin, God is more than willing to rattle our cage. He's more than willing to shake our lives up. He's more than willing to reveal our sin through others and through his word into our life. So let's go into God's word. Psalm 51, verses 12 and 13, after God has exposed David, after God has rattled his cage and gotten his attention, David seeks repentance. And let's listen to God's word. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. David said and pleaded to God, to restore joy. There are three things in those two verses that I want to speak for a little while on tonight. Three things that I want us to, to take hold of here in the middle of the week that may give you some encouragement. Three things that may build you up in the Word of God as it plays out in your life. And God's word is playing out in all of our lives. My life, your life, our family's life, on an hour-by-hour -hour basis is playing out. Find joy in it. Three things that we want to look at tonight. First, there is a desire in the repentant person's heart to be happy. When David asks God to restore joy, that's what he's asking for. He's asking for happiness. You see, sin will make us miserable. Yes, the Bible says there is pleasure in sin for a season, but the Bible never says there is joy in sin. There is a fleshly pleasure in it. And that fleshly pleasure will be satisfactory for a very short time. And then... There is misery. There is misery because we know and we realize that we have disappointed God and we have let him down. In the life of a Christian, that is a very big thing. To know that the God that we came to and he gave his son's life and the blood was shed for our sin. And we came there and we partake of that and God did save us. He wrote our name in the Lamb's book of life. To know that and understand it and feel it deep within our soul and then to know that we disappointed God and we let sin in and we voluntarily we voluntarily went down that road. It brings misery. And we start 
seeking happiness. We want that happiness that we had when we first got saved. Do you, if you're saved tonight, do you remember that feeling when you first accepted Christ? Do you remember that feeling, that joy, that pleasure that was in your life? My, what a wonderful feeling it was. But do you realize that over the course of time, those little sins that we call white lies or the little things that we deem as insignificant, they build up and they bring misery into our lives. And that feeling, that joy of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life, it begins to dwindle and we become desensitized to God moving and working in our life. And what happens is we're walking around in a state of misery on a daily basis and we're looking for something, grasping for anything that we can get our hands on that may give us a short feeling of pleasure. Ignoring the fact that what we really need is joy. And the only way we can find that joy is through God. Is by repenting, repenting of who we are and what we've become. Repenting is not just a matter of tears. It's not just a matter of saying, I'm sorry. Repenting is much more than that. Repenting is an actual change or a turning. A turning means we realize that there's two directions. The right way and the wrong way. And we're going the wrong way. And we realize we have to turn around and go the right way. My goodness, that's a mouthful. But we, we realize in our heart and we truly understand it. We may not want to admit it, but we understand it. God wants us to repent because he wants to restore in our heart and life joy. The joy of being his child, his saint. The joy of having that close personal relationship with him. The joy of knowing what David knew and what David wanted to return to. That's part of repentance. Wanting to return to the right thing for the right reason. Tonight, I do believe some of you are wanting to return to God. And I want to encourage you to do it, but I want to encourage you to do it for the right reason. Not because you're struggling financially tonight. Not because you're scared over the COVID-19. Not because of fear. Not because of uncertainty. But I want you to do it because you realize sin has crept into your life and it has got you separated from God and you want that relationship restored. Therefore, you want to come back to God because you know it's what you should be doing. Regardless of whether there's ever another paycheck, regardless of sickness, regardless of the fears being removed, you know it is the right thing for you to be doing. Find that happiness that can only be found through a repentant relationship with God. Next, the repentant has a heart that has a desire to be consistent consistent. Sin makes us inconsistent. One day 
we're all about doing the right thing for the moment. The next day, we're all about doing what feels good in the moment. Our lives, sin brings inconsistency in our lives. You see, when David comes back in verse 12 and he says, Uphold me with thy free spirit. He's asking God to uphold him, to give him a foundation with his free spirit, with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a free spirit. The Holy Spirit comes whenever he's welcome, but he doesn't stay where he's unwelcome. When we ask the Holy Spirit to, to, to we recognize the Holy Spirit's in our life, and we ask the Holy Spirit to come in and indwell us and to be there, we realize that by salvation's sake, the Holy Spirit does make a permanent home in our heart but we also have to understand that with sin and with the hardening of the heart, we can push the presence and the feeling and the moving of the Holy Spirit out of our lives. And we need to realize in the church today, in the New Testament church, that presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives is a foundation that we build on. It is a foundation that allows us to be consistent in our life consistent in our walk with God, consistent in our family, consistent in our marriages, consistent in everything that we do in life. It doesn't mean we won't have good days and bad days, but it does mean that we will have a consistency in our life. And through that consistency, we will honor God. And through that honoring of God, he will be glorified. Consistency in our life is glorifying to God, not to man. It isn't about promotions at work. It isn't about it isn't about titles. It isn't about any of those things. Consistency is about doing what is right because it's what God wants. Daily. Moment by moment. And yes, we're going to fail. And I don't say that to make you feel good about your failure. By, by no means am I preaching to you that you have a liberty to pick and choose sin over salvation because of personal pleasure. I'm telling you, though, because of the sin nature that has infested these fleshly bodies, you're going to fail God. But the question is, are you going to stay and live in that failure as David once did? Or are you going to repent of those on a daily basis and be consistent in your repentant walk with God and consistent in your life with being a Christian according to the God, according to the Word of God, your Bible? Where is your consistency? Is it in the Word of God and the walk with God? Or is it in your own feelings, your own pleasures, your own fantasy, your own lusts, your own desires? Where is your consistency? David tells us he wanted a consistency with God through the Holy Spirit. And he's also telling us that we have 
the privilege of that, and we should be wanting that tonight as well. We should be wanting a consistency with God. It's going to be hard to convince yourself that you're a born-again Christian if you want to be a consistent with the world instead of with God. It's going to be hard to convince yourself that you're a born-again Christian if you want to be consistent with the world and you want to indulge in pleasures daily, minute by minute, and then go to church on Sunday, open your hymnal, sing your songs, sit down and look at the pastor and say, bless me if you can, get up, walk away, and then go out into the world and pick right up on the worldly ways and not have any conviction in your life? If that is the life that you're living tonight, you are consistent with worldly living and not godly living, and you need to really check up on your salvation tonight. It isn't a matter of whether you've lost it or not. It is a matter of whether you've ever had it to begin with. Consistency in conviction is a sign of salvation. If you're walking a worldly path and you're a Christian, you're going to have consistent conviction. Conviction to be saved. If you are a Christian and you're trying to walk a godly path, you too are going to have consistent conviction, but you're going to have conviction that is going to encourage you to continue down the road that you're walking. Conviction that will be godly. Conviction that will be joyful. Conviction that will be encouraging. Remember. Remember. There's going to be consistency in your life. That consistency is going to be godly consistency or it's going to be worldly consistency. If, you're repent, if you are repentant, you're going to want to be consistent in God's walk. Finally tonight, for the repentant Christian, there is a desire to be useful. There is a desire for God to work through us. And God will work through you. I'm not worried about your past. God's forgiven your past. If you're saved and you're truly born again tonight, God has forgiven your past. You need to forgive your past. I realize there are other people that are around that will never forgive your past. I deal with that. I de I'm, I'm, not, I'm not ashamed to tell you. I deal with that. There are people that I knew when I was younger, when I was in school, when I was a young man, that knew me then, and they look at me today and they will say, I never would have dreamed that you would be preaching God's word. I just can't accept it. I knew you then, and I just refuse to accept it. I've had them tell me that. And that's okay. That's their burden to bear. Not mine. Because I know God washed away my sin with the blood of Jesus. And I have a desire to be useful. Every born-again Christian has a desire to be useful in some way, shape, form, or fashion. They give themselves over to God for Him to use. 
I've had I've had folks ask me, "What is the? How can I be useful?" Well, let me tell you something about usefulness. If if you're doing, if you're wanting to do God's work, you know you need to get an education. You really do. And you know the greatest uh, seminary degree or the greatest degree in the Christian. Uh, education system that a person can get is an SS degree. Yeah. An SS degree. So well, you've never heard it. It's more it's more important than the Master of Divinity. The SS degree carries more weight than the doctorate in theology. The SS degree is saved by salvation. If you're saved by salvation, you have in your heart the most powerful experience that anybody can ever have. You have in your heart the experience of God moving and changing your life. You have in your heart a testimony to share among everybody around, a testimony that will lead somebody to Christ because of what you have experienced. I have academic degrees, but I have nothing that is more meaningful in my life than the SS degree, saved by salvation. It is that degree, it is that experience that has helped me bring people to Christ. Because they hear what God has done in my life. And they realize He can do the very same thing in their life. You have that same opportunity. You have that same experience. You have that same calling. Make yourself useful. Turn yourself over to God. Let Him work through you to be in the lives of people around you. David, when he realized all of this, he realized he could be happy he realized he could be consistent. He realized he could be useful. He realized it only came through repentance. A turning back from where he is to what he came from. Which was a proper relationship with God. Tonight, as I leave you, think about your relationship with God. Think about where you stand in his life, in his work. Where, where, what does God see when he looks at you? And think about this. Are you happy where you are in your relationship with him? Are you consistent in your walk with him? And are you useful as he, in his service to others around? As I leave you in close tonight, I want to do so in prayer. I want you to know that we love you. I want you to know that God loves you. And these matters that we're dealing with, this too shall pass. And God will stay on the throne. And his blessings will rain down on those that love him. Will you be one of those? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the time you've given Thank you for those who are listening tonight. 
Heavenly Father, may your word go out and accomplish everything that you have purposed it to do. May it not return to you void. Lord, I pray once again for the many that are having troubles and struggles tonight, those that have fears that are mounting in multitudes. God, I pray that you'll move in their life. God, I pray that you'll save souls, that you'll draw those that have wandered away back to you. Heavenly Father, I pray for a great awakening to move across this land. I pray for revival to move across this continent, to move across the United States of America. I pray for it to begin right here in McDowell County, North Carolina. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that it will touch hearts and lives all over this world. I pray for people to be saved. I pray, Heavenly Father, for you to be glorified. Now bless the people that hear this. Bless them until we can gather again and share your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Folks, thank you for joining me tonight. I hope you have a blessed week. Remember us, Sunday morning, 11 a.m. Until then, God bless you is my prayer.